coming up on the unusual podcast. Ridiculous units of measurement. When showers go bad. Are babies tall or long? <laughs> I think it's definitely long. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the Unusable Podcast, where we discuss the importance of user experience in technology and the world around us, and we talk about great design that just works, or moan about it when it doesn't. Hello, Andy. Hi, David. Oh, hi. Should we introduce ourselves? You go first. Okay, so I am Andrew Waite, and I am a product owner of a SaaS product in Derby. Hello, I'm David Ball. I am a web developer, and I also live in Derby. Not quite. But close. <laughs> Doesn't matter. Don't get into the specifics of that. Still tell people where we live. Might come round. Stalkers. Oh, I was thinking like, I'd have to make people tea and everything. Oh, right. okay. You're thinking it would be a nice visit. I'm thinking... Someone telling you off for all the bad things that you've said on the podcast. All those lies. Right. Tell me some exciting things. Well, I thought this podcast, we could talk a little bit about the stupidity of the imperial system and the stupidity of time as well. So can I say mm-hmm. I hate time? Why? Time's time's difficult. Why? Because it makes no sense. Time right, it, right any programmer who's ever had to deal with time has probably realized just what non, utter nonsense it is. Because yeah. it doesn't make sense. You know how everything else, every other metric that we have has like a hundred or ten or whatever. Time If you if you're using the metric system. Yeah, okay, if you're using the metric system, but if you're not, then I suppose you're used to pain anyway. So if you think about it time how many seconds in a minute 60 that seems made up already how many minutes in an hour 60 again i suppose but then how many hours in a day 24 24 but then once it gets to 12 it resets again it's just what where's that come from it's just weird yeah and i know what you mean it, it doesn't make much sense at all. And so like, imagine if you're trying to explain that to someone who's never experienced like a kid right trying to explain time to a kid they'll be like what so there's 12, it, I think but then there's no 13. It goes back to one again. Like but it's not the same as the other one that we had earlier. Yeah, It's, it's the other one. There's yeah, two, there's it's one two... o'clock. So there's two one o'clocks in a day. <laughs> what? Who invented that? That's stupid. <laughs> it just makes no sense. But then if you break it down to the smaller units as well, like how many milliseconds in a second? A thousand. So like... So then it goes metric. So then it goes metric as you go down, and then there's like picoseconds, which is like a thousand million or something weird. Yeah, and this is before you even get to time zones as well, which are quite tough, I think, sometimes to understand. Oh, yeah, actually, yeah. If you're trying to organise like a conference call with somebody in a different time zone, yeah, you've got to think about, like, has our country got daylight savings where some part of the year yeah, there's, it's not yeah. the same time as... We, we have that. We have a lot of um, American customers, and so there's always a gap because their daylight savings kicks in at a, de- a separate time to us. So normally the time difference there, mostly on the eastern side of the US, so normally the time difference is five hours, but I think it stretches to six, or does it reduce to four? I, either way, there is a there is a point where it, it's slightly different. Oh, it's so confusing, isn't it? But the... do you not think that that's mostly now disappearing because of technology? So... But it's not, though, is it? Well, I don't know, because when I book a meeting, generally I use technology and then put it into Google Calendar, and then the meeting just shows up at the correct time in each person's calendar. We don't, you know, I don't have to book it in at a strange time as long as. Oh, uh, okay. 
So it automatically turns. So if you book something for three o'clock for them, it'll it won't be three o'clock. It'll be whatever time it is in their time zone. Nine, ten in the morning, something like that. I think. What happens though time? if you book something for next week, but <clears throat> it changes to a different again? Day, like if you savings. use Google Calendar, it just handles it, which oh, okay. is quite clever. Oh, that's the, good. I always this always makes me laugh as well. So twice a year, obviously, we have daylight saving time, and my parents usually make a point of saying, "Oh, don't forget, clocks go back," and and they do this every time. But the hilarious, but but the but I can't think of a clock that I've got that doesn't just adjust itself. <laughs> Everything I have is internet connected. I think I think maybe just my car, which I normally realise about a month later. So, what do you think would be better than the system of time that we have now? Uh, I would say make it metric. So, so what you would have ten hours in a day, or maybe a hundred. Okay. Oh, hang on. Yeah, ten hours in a day. That's a very that makes a very long hour, though, doesn't it? Yeah. Maybe a hundred. Can we work this out quickly? If if we were to have a hundred hours in a day, how long would how long would each hour actually be? I'll figure that out later. But that would be at least a hundred minutes in an hour. That's the big one. A hundred minutes an hour. Because if you're trying to work out how many minutes in two hours or something, because we we have to do like, estimation for for work, um, like estimating how long a task is <clears> going to take. We always do it by hours as, as the, that is the, the one unit of time is one hour. So like an hour and a half would be 1.5 hours. But then it gets really ridiculous. Like when you want to say, oh, this task will take 10 minutes. But 10 minutes is like 0.167 hours. It's something like that. Six, seven hour. Which actually leads me on to, you see, I have some points as to why I think that these, the system that we have for time is actually really good. Oh, is it well? Because obviously we can't change the speed that the Earth goes around the Sun and that the, the Earth rotates. We can't change that, but the, we can at least change how we measure it. Surely. Well, yeah, but the, the the hours in a day is pretty much arbitrary. I mean, you're talking about things like seasons and days in a year, which of course is fixed by the movement of planets. But yeah, and obviously the the fact that we have day and night is fixed by the movement of planets. But the divisions beyond that into a day, an hour is pretty arbitrary. A second is pretty arbitrary, and is, is you know you could divide the day up into ten hours really. There's no. I think yeah yeah I think do. so. But I have I have so it's all to do with this thing called highly composite numbers, which is oh, a mathematical right. term, which also known sometimes as anti primes. Okay, and I'm going to try and keep this. Who who's anti primes? Is my anti or yours? <laughs> I'm going to try and keep this as non geeky as possible. But basically, too late. You've started. Basically, a highly composite number is a number that can be split up, divided into lots of different fractions okay okay yeah so you know the concepts of like a divisor so the divisors of one well it's just one itself but two has is divisible by one and two three is only divisible by one and three so you can't divide three by two equally so that's a they're the numbers divisors essentially a number that you can divide something by and still get a whole number yeah okay okay so 60 is is one of these highly composite numbers because it can be divided by 12 other numbers it has 12 factors so what that means is okay you can say half an hour and that's 30 minutes you can say quarter of an hour and it's 15 minutes you can you can break it up into lots of different little fractions oh okay whereas if you were to have 100 minutes in an hour there are only nine divisors oh so there are actually less easy ways you can split up 100 minutes than there are 60 minutes which i thought was interesting maybe that's just me do you want to know what the highly composite numbers are Go on then. The first few. 1, 2, 4, 6, 
12, 24, 36, 48, and then goes to 60, and of course it carries on after that. Right, okay. The, uh, okay. the definition of a highly composite number is it has to have more divisors than every number before it. Okay. okay. So 60 has more divisors than every number up to 60. Right. Are you with me? Sort of. So 1 has 1 divisor, 2 has 2 divisors, uh, 4 has 3 divisors, 6 has 4 divisors, but each time you go up in the number of things that are divisible. So there are obviously lots of numbers higher than 60 that have 12 divisors, but they're not classed as highly composite because 60 is the first one that has 12 divisors. Right. If this is true, and this is this is fine, This obviously I can't argue with maths, why do we stop at 12 and not carry on to the full 24? That I don't know. But I can tell you that both 12 and 24 are both highly composite numbers. So they are also easy to split up. But yeah, that is well, just that is just stupid. You're right. That is yeah. just stupid. Is it is it maybe a language thing? Like you can't say, what time is it? Oh, it's 13 o'clock. Well, uh, I was going to say this because related to this, we've got the imperial system, which right, of okay. measurements. Hang on. How is this related? Just because it's something that's also bullshit and made up. Yeah, it's 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 made up and usually uses odd numbers of smaller units to make up a larger unit. Yeah, you know, okay. it's pretty random, really. It's hard to remember. It's not easy to, for example, convert um, feet into inches like it is with millimeters into a into centimeters because you just yeah, move a decimal that place. Weird. That's that must be really. If you had to do that, well, I suppose if you did it all the time, you'd know. But just seems like a, a difficult thing to work out to me. What the conversion? Well, yeah, because it's you, you, it's not a hundred or a, a thousand. It's it, it gets more complicated when people who are experienced in the imperial system go, "Oh, yes, it's uh, five five inches and three sixteenths," and you're like, "What? Three sixteenths? Where, where does that come from?" I know because they use they in the imperial system. It's more common to use um use fractions use yeah. fractions than it is a decimal, which is is really strange. It's also, with the imperial system, really hard to see what's greater than than another number. So, like, what's greater out of half an inch and three sixteenths of an inch? Now, obviously, you can work that out. It's not that complicated. But but it's not as immediately obvious as with a decimal number, where literally the greater number, it's obvious to to begin with without having to do any kind of conversion mentally. How many inches are in a yard? I think there's three yards in a foot. Hey, Google! How many inches in a yard? One yard equals 36 inches. 36? Where's that come from? Is that one of your highly composite numbers? No. <laughs> oh, it is. It is 36 is, yeah. Okay. That's all right then. Yeah. But that's actually what I was going to say is the big advantage of the imperial system, like it or not, is that usually the units are more suited to everyday use. So recently when I had tradespeople in, in, in our house doing some work, they were generally using inches because an inch is just it's just a nice number when you're talking about something to do diy you know it's much nicer to say i don't know 27 inches as opposed to 668 millimeters or whatever it is conversion wise as much as i hate to admit it you are sort of right because i don't have to measure things very often but like if i play warhammer with jake you know where you're moving the models around that's done in inches and it's easier to know a small number than it is to, to be very precise and say, oh, it's 110 millimetres. I, I saw a fantastic picture earlier that made me laugh. And it's on an entrance to a car park where there's a height restriction on how tall your car can be to go into this right. underground car park. If they've done it in millimetres, that would be hilarious. It said, it said, it said maximum headroom, 4,267 millimetres. <laughs> <laughs> Who's measuring that? 
Give me some measure out. And you're there in your car and you're trying to like go into the car park and work out whether your vehicle's... I mean, that's just stupidity. Um, Uh, Yeah. And and I think you as a usability person are going to suddenly love the Imperial system right now. I think uh, I'm going right. to convert you. I'm, this is try. this is the thing that I think is going to convert you over to to loving it. So you can try, but I like hundreds and tens. So to measure the quantities for a recipe in Imperial, often right. you use cups, tablespoons, right? These yeah, are, these... all of those are nonsense things because are everyone's, they? Everyone's, but everyone's cups different. But but yeah. it's a very relatable measurement because well, yeah, it is. It, obviously, it makes it if if you're using a cup. And you're always using the same cup. That's fine. But I've got a cup that's massive. But I guess. And it, what about when you're like making a cake? If you're, if I was to use my massive cup, I've only got normal sized eggs, and the eggs have no idea how the, how big the cup is. <laughs> <laughs> so they can't be relative. It's it's true, but if everyone had the same size cup, that would be but fine. But. Okay, but what is what is twenty five grams? What is twenty five grams? It's just so arbitrary. Like you can't like try and imagine what twenty five grams is. I I I mean, the only thing I can try and think in my head is a kilogram bag of sugar, and then trying to work it out. So it's probably quite light. But but whereas whereas if you said a cup of something or a tablespoon of something, or it's a very easy relatable measurement that you instantly know roughly how much that is. Yeah, I suppose you're right. Like, there's a sweet shop that I go to, and they they do sweets in little bags, and they weigh it. And I was like, I want some jelly babies. Or how how much do you want? Don't know. Some. Like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like showing them this this amount on my hands. Like this amount. <laughs> but yeah, they want to know it in weight. But I don't really know how much jelly babies weigh. Is a hundred grams? too much or is that going to bury me in jelly babies that's also weird because sweets all weigh a different amount i've noticed this we we sometimes stop off don't we um at the nut bar in oh Derby yeah the nut bar yeah yeah on the market and they tend to, they sell things in, in in grams and you can ask for 100 grams of one thing and get loads of it because it's obviously quite a light thing yeah and you can ask for 100 grams of something else and go i've got two of them yeah and, 100 grams of brazil nuts doesn't think you can go that far yeah which is which is I mean, I know that's obvious. I'm thinking like the Brazil nuts that's really coated in chocolate. You know, there's like oh, so much chocolate. Really nice. It's like mostly chocolate with a tiny little sliver of Brazil nut in the middle. <laughs> I, I love the dark ones. Of like those. 100 grams is one Brazil nut. But so yeah. It just gives it, you in a bag. <laughs> but that, it's not really a sensible measurement, is it? To measure that. When you go to that stall, you're not thinking in grams. The human mind isn't going, oh, I want 100 grams of Brazil nuts. Sure, you, I'm, th- I'm thinking mostly... About the size of my stomach and the size of my mouth. Could 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 they do something more practical? What like measure your stomach? <laughs> you can fit twenty in here. Why don't they just let people just scoop what they want? Because I because the thing is, I know roughly what I want. Uh, I could, if I could just scoop what I wanted, I'd go. Oh, that that's but you know, if it's self service rather than that, you had to tell them what. I think that's dangerous because I'll tell you why. I went to. I went to this this stall once. I was on holiday. It was in I think it was in Carcassonne, and there was this stall. And what they did is um, sugared fruit. You know the kind of thing where it's it's kind of fruit, but it's more like a sweet, like candied, candied. I think that's, that's yeah, the yeah. And I was like, oh my god, this is amazing. It's like almost healthy, but pretty much just pure sugar. And so I was spooning loads of it into a bag, and then I take it to the to the till, and like they weigh it, 
And uh, the person then goes, oh, that would be 20 euros, please. And I'm like, what? <laughs> That's like way too much. But- and I just got too carried away and just, just, it was really quite heavy, I suppose. And here's me thinking, oh, this will only be like a couple of euros. But yeah, it was loads. That's that's the classic cinema pick and mix problem, is it? Because you yeah you don't know until you take it to the counter how much pick and mix it how much it's going to cost. Yeah, and usually you're just too embarrassed to to say yeah, at no that, at that and point. Just, yeah, yeah, just give I, me cash over. I remember being a kid and 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 just being too afraid to even get any because I was like what if I put three sweets in and it costs too much money and then I'm going to be really embarrassed because I've only got my pocket money and so I just didn't bother yeah oh right okay just, you just did without yeah rather than being embarrassed or, yeah or, yeah well what I did I just had to take them back I had to like put everything back from the uh, from the pick and mix bag back onto the shelf <laughs> did you actually do yeah. that yeah 20 euros for some of it I just wanted a little snack so you didn't have any at all? Oh yeah, I had some, yeah. Lasted me a week. <laughs> <laughs> Can you think of anything where people bizarrely still cling on to... Cling on. Cling on to Imperial? So I don't know if we have an international... Americans, in, I think. Well, but we do as well. I, I was about to say, I don't yeah. know if, if anyone's international, but we're in the UK, obviously. Um, obvious to me. Might not be obvious to someone who's listening. Okay, well, we've just told them now anyway. Good. They know, they know now. It's coming around for tea. <laughs> That's that stalker. <laughs> so we use miles, don't we? Which is odd. Oh, yeah. Actually, yes, this is interesting. Because on a road sign, so on, on the motorway, it will say, this place, 100M. But we also use metres. And, and in other but places... Context, but contextually, most people would know that was miles on a motorway. Obviously, contextually, yeah. But to a foreigner, but they'd be like... It's just weird, yeah. If if you're used to seeing M as in metres on a road sign, not M for miles, then you'd be confused. Momentarily, probably. It just it just it smells bad, I think. It just smells bad. It just feels bad. It smells bad? It smells bad. You know when something... You know that it's just a bit... So you, so you think we should convert our road system to, to Imperial? Uh, yes. I actually think there's something really, when we're talking about roads, that makes a lot of sense. Um, the speeds of kilometres an hour allow for more variations. Uh, okay. So if you think that a typical typical road speeds are between 0 and 70 miles an hour in the UK. Yeah. Um, but I think the equivalent in kilometres an hour is about 0 to 110. But if you only ever have rounded off speeds, you've got seven options, really, haven't you, in, in the UK? Well, less than that, because zero isn't the speed. But you've got, so you've got six options. You've got 10 miles an hour, 20 miles an hour, 30 miles an hour. That yeah. gives you six options for speeds. And you never see signs for like 10 miles an hour, really. No. So but, the dif- 30, but, the dif- but the difference between 40, 30... 50, and then, and then uh, national speed limit. You never see a sign for 60 or 70, do you? Because True. in the UK we have our... But, though, but those are your speed options, aren't speed they? Limit. Yeah. But the yeah. difference between 30 and 20 is quite a lot. Yeah, Whereas too, if, with, with a kilometres an hour system, between um, 0 and 110, if you exclude not going anywhere at zero, you've got like 10 options, haven't you? So, so, oh, yeah. so you've actually got more variation. If you're, because I don't know why people won't nev- never see a road sign for like 28 miles an hour, do you? I don't know why people always seem to fixate on the rounded off numbers, but because well, if you round things, it's, it's sensible, sim- yeah. simpler and sensible. But but you have way more options in kilometres an hour, which I think is. Oh yeah, which is a benefit. So that makes it better. And and I think actually as well, most of the equivalents, and I could be wrong on this, so don't quote me on this, but I think most of the vague equivalents are slightly more favourable. So the higher speeds are slightly faster, 
which actually is a good thing because really on a motorway we could probably go a little bit faster safely and on a, on a, on a major road that's national speed limit 60 miles an hour here we could probably go a little bit quicker quite easily mm-hmm. and the and the equivalent the closest equivalent kilometer an hour speeds are slightly more uh, but the okay. low but at the lower end the closest equivalent kilometer speeds are slightly lower so actually it'd mean if we adopted the i think it's 50 kilometers an hour i think is slightly is it 40 i can't remember but it's slightly slower than the equivalent miles per hour anyway so we'd be going slower through villages and past schools but slightly faster out in the open country which i think is oh uh, yeah okay i think is sensible that's quite good actually yeah one yeah. thing that that i really don't like though yeah is the mix that we have in places in the UK. So most of our motoring is in the Imperial still. So we travel in miles and yards, signs are in yards. Oh yeah, yards. We... What the hell is it? A yard. Well, obviously it's, it's 36 inches or whatever. But... Three feet, I think. But who knows that? I, I, think, I don't know. I, I think, don't think in yards. It's I... about a metre, I think. I'm pretty sure it's, it's close. It's not a metre. You know what a metre is? A metre. Yes, but it's close <laughs> enough that when you're driving, you can roughly approximate it to metres, I think. Yeah, I suppose so. But like, I don't know about you, when but, you were at school, I didn't learn in yards. I think they said, by the way, there's this thing called yards, but don't really worry about that. We'll probably change soon. <laughs> to be well, I think I, I didn't really world. learn the imperial system at all, except for my parents. Yeah. But then you leave school, the whole world then feels like it's in in Imperial, yeah. which just seems odd. Well, that, that straddle is, of, of two systems is weird, I think, because my car tells me how fuel efficient it is in miles per gallon. Oh, yeah. Gallon. What's a gallon? Right. But I, when I go to fill my car up, I put the fuel in in litres. So, oh, yeah, of course. So I know how much a litre of fuel is. I know that. But I don't know how quickly my car's using it because it measures it in miles per gallon. I have no idea how many how much a gallon costs. I'd have to work out how many litres in a gallon and then multiply the price out to find out what a gallon of fuel costs before I could work out what my car's costing it, costing me to, to like how stupid yeah, is that? Right. Why why are we why are we measuring why do our cars measure in miles per gallon? Yeah, it's such a weird. And then thing, we fill up in litres. Yeah, and also if you were to look at. Well, if you were to talk to an American about but miles I per think, gallon, they, I think the Americans... American gallons are different. Yeah, that's true. Yeah, US gallon. That's why US cars. I think they are often less fuel efficient, but they, it's made worse by the fact that a US gallon, I think, is smaller. So it, their cars look even. If you know, if an American says my car does thirty miles per gallon, because the gallon size is different. Yeah, so confusing. But I think at least Americans, do they still fill up their cars with gallons? So at least they're all in on the Imperial. That makes sense. And I think Europeans are all in on the on the metric, so they've got fill up in liters. But their cars say um, they do it the other way around, don't they? They do how many liters will it take to do a hundred kilometers? I think who in Europe? Yeah, right. Okay. They don't do they don't do um, kilometers per liter. They do liters to go a hundred kilometers. They flip it round. Okay. But at least they're all in metric. Yeah, and then you could work out your efficiency, and you could work out price easier. Whereas we have this weird straddle of two systems where. Well, it we don't doesn't, know make, doesn't make sense to anyone. Yeah, weird. Ridiculous. What can we do to change things? <sighs> Nothing. Just whinge about it on Win- a podcast. Whinge about it on a podcast. <laughs> the problem is, ultimately, these things are so ingrained in in our society that I don't think it would be that easy to change. Would it not? The equipment's already there. My car already <clears throat> has kilometres on the dash thingy. The, True. The fuel pumps already do it in litres. So all we have to do is... Change. change the signs yeah but i think you'd have far too much protest 
I suppose the the thing for me is that a lot, often imperial measurements are more relatable in the real world, so you know what oh, you know what something is. So like a foot is actually approximately about the size of a human foot. It's not though, is it? Everyone's got different size feet. Sure, but it's approximately you can if someone says a foot, you go, oh, I know I'm roughly how much a foot is. Then you know in, when you're talking about everyday life and you don't need that level of precision. Sure, for for scientific precision, the metric system is way better. But for kind of these approximate day-to-day uses, the imperial system, I think, is a lot better. Yeah, I suppose so. You know, if you if you said how wide the desk, I don't know, it's X inches, but it, that's... Why feet, anyway? Why not forearms or hands? Oh, mind you, you use hands to measure horses. Yeah. But only specifically horses. I don't know why. Yeah, well, that's... I suppose it might be difficult to measure a horse in feet. That is one of the big downsides, though, of the imperial system is that there's lots of measurements and a lot of them like overlap in weird ways like foot is weirdly close to a yard so what's the best one to use and furlongs yeah chains yeah all that kind of stuff a chain how long's a chain i have no idea hey google how long is a chain one chain equals 20.117 meters 20.117 obviously <laughs> <laughs> The classic measurement. Another thing that's weirdly measured in in Imperial, I'm not sure what, it's just tradition, I think, is is babies. Because when Ada was born, she measured eight pounds and 12 ounces. Pounds? Eight pounds? Where's pounds come from? I don't know. Another confusing thing in this country, we use pounds for money and also pounds for weight. Well, that's always the confusing thing when you go and buy your sweets, is you go, I want a pound of humbugs. Yeah. Well, does that mean a pound in money's worth or a pound in weight? Yeah. Who knows? Well, they never seem to be that confused, so maybe they're just used to it. Maybe. I don't know. But I when when that actually happened, when my daughter was born, I went around telling everyone she was 3.96 kilos. And everyone... <laughs> everyone... I, everyone just was like, looked at me. What's that in pounds? Yeah, and if my wife was there, she'd usually roll her eyes and just immediately tell them in pounds and ounces. Yeah, but but pounds is like in my world, the only thing you measure in pounds is a baby. So yeah. all you're doing is relating it to other babies. Yeah, because I never yeah. get sweets or candied fruits or whatever. It does in pounds. It does flow nicer though, doesn't it? Doesn't eight pounds twelve ounces flow nicer? I don't think we should choose things based on the three point nine six kilograms. It seem it's, that seems more harsh somehow. I don't know. What are you doing, hands? Why? Do, <laughs> why is the, Why is it only the weight that's important? Why do we do it in feet? Well, she did, oh. they did actually measure when she was born. They did actually measure both how long she was and long. Well, long. It's not height, and if she can't stand up, is it or is it? I don't know. Are babies horizontal? I think so. <laughs> I think mostly just... landscape until they turn portrait. <laughs> Has your child turned portrait yet? Yeah. They go from being long to tall. Yeah. Quite deep. Oh, no, I think that's inappropriate. <laughs> is that not, isn't that right? Okay. Yeah. I get pedantic about that sometimes when we're talking about um, measurements of, of things in uh, designs, about height and width and depth. Like that. Some, sometimes people say depth, whereas I would say height. If it's on a screen, something I think is tall, as in high, rather than deep. The, the depth on a screen is, to me, the pseudo-measurement, if you're doing 3D, of Yeah, depth to me is the in the distance space. on a screen. If you're looking at a, if you're looking yeah. at a painting, for example, you know, a, a portrait or painting in a gallery, depth is how you, you can see into the distance to the rolling hills. 
whereas I think it has a, a height and a width. I would totally agree with that. I okay. don't know who these idiots are that are... Well, the, the, the Z index is in the depth. Yeah, but you said people are calling the height depth. Who's, what sort of Sometimes idiots do Sometimes people that? do have conversations with people. Morons. Well, but people say... Um, all right, if you were to give a measurement to somebody, you would go width and height. Mm-hmm. 12 by 6. You and I know, just through convention, I think, that the width always comes first when you're dealing with the web. But there are there are people who would go, oh, the opposite way around, I think, because not every industry is the same. Some industries might always do height first. But it doesn't always matter, does it? If you're going to have, a I don't know, piece of timber cut to size, if you say 12 by 6, they're going to cut it 12 by 6, and you can just... It doesn't. It works in any orientation. Well, I suppose it? So. it depends but, on what you're doing. But, but if you wanted a photo to be cropped from a professional printer's, Ooh. and you say width first, but actually they might think height first, and they might crop it wrong for you. Because you can buy uh, picture frames that have. I've seen they've got the dimensions the other way around. So really? Just, yeah. I'll, uh, Maybe they're just intended to be used portrait or landscape or whatever. Maybe we should ask people. Maybe we get people to tweet us if they think that it should be height before width. Yeah, this this is the important topic. User, user feedback. Yeah. Interaction. <laughs> We're solving the important problems on the Unusual Podcast. Is it width then height or height then width? It's always X then Y. It's no, always X I, then I, Y. I agree with you, yeah. But I've had conversations with one of our designers that I work with and he's adamant that sometimes it's the other way around. But, well, that's just a nonsense. And if there's depth, that's the third number. Yeah. I think it should be anyway. We were talking about measurements tend to be, people tend to use what's most appropriate for the thing they're measuring. And that's what's good about the imperial system is that usually there's a better measurement for most things in the real world that people want to measure. Okay, yeah. They more It's more suited. And I also mentioned about tradespeople that tend to measure in Imperial, but I actually was kind of fibbing because what I did notice is that for big measurements they measure in Imperial, they use inches and feet. Yeah. But as soon as it gets small, they all say mil, meaning millimetre. That's because there's no nothing smaller than an inch, is Well, there? it goes down to sixteenths of an inch, I think. Yeah, but that's nonsense. Yeah. So, so you get this weird blend where they're using part Imperial system, part metric system. But I actually think it's okay, because ultimately what they're using are the units that make sense for the job at hand. If you say, oh, I just need to adjust that by a mil to the left, they're talking about tiny movements. You know they're talking about tiny movements. If they say, you know, how big do I need to cut this wooden frame? Oh, it's, you know, three feet or whatever. That measurement is appropriate for the scale that they're talking about and so i think that's interesting that they pick and choose but i think it's right that they pick and choose weirdly i think it's maybe but i've got right this is a very specific example which might or might not be relevant but say you someone's tiling your wall right so each tile is four inches and you know that they're going to be placed 10 millimeters apart is that quite a lot right I think that's quite a lot but we'll okay go with it we'll, we'll go, go with it go with it anyway and you want to know where these tiles are going to end. You know there's going to be, say, 10 tiles across, but it's never usually as, say, say 12 or 13 tiles across. You want to measure exactly where that tile is going to end. Oh, so you're mi- mixing the inch width of a tile with the millimetre width of a gap. Yeah. That's difficult to add up. Yeah, it is. Yeah. How would you even work that out? You have to convert it all to one metric or the other. You either have to know what 10 millimetres is in inches 
or you have to know what what do I say three inches is in four four in millimeters yeah yeah it's true actually and and actually that was kind of the the case because the people that, that did it is actually a bathroom that we had fitted by the tradespeople but the the, the they asked us how big we wanted the gaps in the tiles in millimeters because they get spacers from the DIY shop where well uh, yeah, okay. the building supply shop that that space the tiles evenly as they're tiling you know the little plastic spaces if you've ever seen uh, someone yeah, tile I mean, yeah. and they put the little spaces in and I'm not sure if I'd, who, how do you even make that decision yes I really want a large gap please oh well they if you really want to know they bought us the different <laughs> ones and we laid the tiles out flat on the floor with the spaces in to see if we liked the gap or not and then tried a few different options Fascinating. Because, you know, Absolutely fascinating. You asked! <laughs> you asked! And now everybody has to hear. <laughs> but yeah, I just thought that was interesting how ultimately the measurement system that we have has to serve us in society to be able to talk about distances and weights and measurements of time. And I think you can you can say there's a system or not but ultimately people are going to use what makes sense to them and what what they can use to convey to someone else and what makes sense to someone else i will admit that metric is far too precise for something that needs to be large and broad but all that means is maybe there should be something that's less than a meter but more than an inch is there space for that yeah something that's like half a meter let's call that a bob Wait, is a bob an actual thing? It's an amount of money, isn't it? Oh, yeah. Ten bob. Don't don't call it a bob. I don't know how much it is, but... Yeah. Something. You just name it something. Yeah, but that breaks the rules, doesn't it? Because everything in metric right now is just moving the decimal places. If you have... Oh, yeah, okay. But two two of your bobs is going to be one metre. Two two bobs to the metre. Then you're getting into all this weird imperial system nonsense. But at least to convert it to to metres, you just have to double it. That's nice and easy. It's easy to do. What if you wanted to convert your inches to a metre? I don't know what you do. Yeah, but they're they're two different systems you're talking about there. Yeah, Yeah, true. Can I tell you about some interesting units that I found out about? So when I went to Dubrovnik on holiday, Hmm. there's a statue of this uh, knight called Orlando. And his forearm is a unit of measurement. Really? Called a lacat, which means which means elbow. So everyone uses his his forearm as a type of measurement. That's not in use today, I assume. That's... I don't know. Don't know. But I think like back in the day, when it, like hundreds of years ago, it, that was like the market area. And so if anyone wanted to check the measurement of something, they just go like, up to his arm and go, oh yeah, it is. But that's what I mean it about measurements. Orlando, all, whatever. All measurements need to do is serve people who are trying to communicate with each other about a particular, an amount of something, a distance, a, a weight, a a volume that's that's all a measurement is and in that case for those people in that probably what was then quite an isolated closed society before you know global travel and communication that was enough they wanted a measurement by which they could measure i don't know fabrics as they sold it by the what was it called uh, by the orlando uh, yeah and a lacat that you know when you go to buy i don't know sometimes i buy cable by the meter but all the the only reason that meter matters there is it just allows them to say it's five pounds a meter and whatever it is and and i know if i'm buying three lots that's 15 pounds and the shop knows how much to charge it's just a system that we can communicate by it doesn't really have any bearing other than that does it it could be yeah true it could be anything it's now time for our regular feature bad usability of the week oh i think we need a little jingle don't we but yeah say it again 
It's bad usability of the week. <laughs> okay, so I've been on holiday recently and it was a, a walking holiday where we walked from one place to another over the course of the week. And we stayed in various places along the way. Okay, so you did, you did have a break. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So okay. hotels and B&Bs. So that means that every day we're in a different place and different showers. You see where I'm going with this? Showers were different. So, <laughs> I don't know why I'm labouring this. I see where you're going with it. You're telling me about the showers in B&Bs. So the showers were completely different. Okay. And um, Wouldn't it be weirder if they were all the same? Well, I don't know. Something as simple as a shower, I thought they'd be quite standardised these days. Okay. But the interface of these showers is quite different. And you kind of expect, I don't know what your shower's like, but I'd expect two things from a shower. One is the pressure of the water. Yeah. And one is the... Um, temperature. Temperature. Okay. So some of them but not all of them had this sort of system where there would be two dials. And yeah. So a dial for water pressure. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Or instead of a dial for water pressure, maybe it's a dial for a kind of uh, setting, I suppose, because one of them was like one of those over showers, you know, the, the, the big big plate where like it comes a rain, down. A rain, a rain Yeah, shower. so it comes down from, from... Or it might be the, the hand thing. So, sure. so the dial on the, say, let's say the left could be for for those two settings and then you'll always have one for for the temperature but some of them were not like that and i've no idea why what how were they okay i can't i can't imagine someone designing a shower that didn't work like that okay so this one shower had a dial for temperature as you'd expect but the other dial instead of being for like water pressure it had had four settings default is stop obviously that makes sense now you'd expect what, what would the other three be High, medium, low, something Maybe. like something like yeah. that. Okay, so this was high, mm. fine. High obviously implies that there's going to be a low. No, eco. Okay. So what's eco? Is that low? But they've just called it eco. Maybe save energy. Save yeah. energy, I suppose. Maybe yeah. that is low. And the other one, cold. What? Now think about that. You've so already, you've got a temperature you've dial. You've got a temperature dial, but one of your four options is cold. <laughs> And I can't think of any reason why that you'd need that setting when you can already control the temperature. You've got very fine control over the temperature. Do you know, I think that's a case of probably like the engineers doing the controls. So rather than someone who actually thought about how it should be used, someone's engineered it and just gone, oh. Because I think, is it, was it an electric shower? That was an electric shower, yeah. It, it, I, we used to have an electric shower and it was weird because it had one dial for the temperature on and on and off button, right? So just press it to turn it on and it comes out, right? Yeah. And okay. there was a, but there was a second dial which had three spots on it and it would either be a blue spot, a red spot, or I think two 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 red spots. And we always just left it on two red spots and I don't know why you could change it to one red spot or a blue spot. Does so that make sense? red and blue obviously means temperature. Oh, so maybe that's like... Maybe it's like power level or something. No, it wouldn't be power level because blue and red. It's like gears in a car. I was just thinking that. It's kind of like gears. So like you can choose hot and cold, but you can choose... The hotter of the hot and cold. It doesn't... But it still just make one dial with more variation in it, I think, would be better. Yeah. Doesn't make sense to me. Um, On a related note, 
So we work in offices that are on the same row of, of offices. Yeah, yeah. Okay. So I assume that the tap in your bathroom, in your office where you oh, work... Oh, it's the same as the one the same here. as ours. Okay. Yeah. And so I want to explain this because I don't think this makes any sense. So it's a mixer tap. So it's hot and cold taps feed into it. Okay. And every mixer tap I've ever used before, we've got one at home. And it's like one of those that you can twist side to side to do the temperature and you lift it up to do the, to do the amount of power. This is our one at home, by the way. Yeah. So, so yeah. What, so we've got so a similar got... one. So it means that in one action, you can control whether it's fast flowing. But there are two like, axes to the control, right? Yeah. The, yeah. Like across ways is temperature and up and down is, is pressure. Okay. So that's ours at home. But the one in the office, and I think your office will be the same, has only one axis of movement to control both pressure and temperature. So you turn it, don't you? You can only turn it. You can turn it clockwise to turn it on. Yeah, so in its resting state, it's off, and you start to turn it and it starts to flow. And turning it more seems to make it more powerful and also changes the temperature. So you can basically have it slow-flowing and hot, and the more you turn it, it seems to get colder and more powerful. But you can never have more powerful and hot. I don't think so. It's weird. We, uh, we, we've actually said slow and cold. We've actually said that what we're going to do at some point, just for lols, is we're going to turn it on at, at increments and note the amount of flow and the temperature, and then turn it another increment and note the amount of flow and the temperature, and then we're going to create a graph of how this one axis of control. It's like, but it's like in a car. Imagine if a car only had one control for how fast you go and also which direction you're steering in. You can either go fast and right or <laughs> slow and left. It's just bizarre. Like, <laughs> so you're actually going to record this, are you? I think yeah, so. I think yeah. You've got too much time in the end. <laughs> On a slow office day, we're going to have a look at it. But, but isn't that weird? Like that is weird. One axis of control for two like axes of 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 of, vari- of variation for two variables. It's so weird. One of the other showers that uh, they had was sort of like this round dinner plate type thing, and the whole thing spun. So it had a what? Like I'm imagining like the wheel on a ship that you have to kind of like yeah yeah a, bit, a massive steering or like, wheel you know, the, the, on a pirate ship on it no, you know the um, opening a door on a ship you know the little like things that you see on films where they have to wind and wind and wind and wind oh yeah because it creates a seal doesn't it yeah. The little sort of hand, you know what I mean? The round handle. It's, like it's a... not that bad. No, okay. it's just it's essentially like a clock. So this the, the the dial at the top goes between say nine o'clock and three o'clock. So it it spins this this hemisphere okay. around, and that's your temperature. Okay. So you want it somewhere kind of in the middle. Yeah. Um, because cold, hot, and then there's a, a start button in the middle, which is also a stop button. Now that makes sense. And this it has kind of lights on the button. So when you press the button to start, it lights up. Nice, satisfying. You know it's on because it's lit. Yeah. And then the shower just starts working. And then obviously you can turn it off by, by pressing the button and the light, light goes off. And to me, that's like the perfect interface because you know what's going on and it's super simple. And I don't know why some of them weren't, weren't that simple. But there was one flaw with this this thing. And however it's been plumbed in, that you can turn it all the way it's mostly cold, mostly cold, mostly cold, mostly cold. And then you get like one radian from the end and then it suddenly just gets red hot. <laughs> <laughs> so they've got this, this I think that's whole every... 180 degrees to play with. Yeah. But actually, it's only the, the very I've... small, like uh, the last bit. 
I've used so many showers like that, though, that are like, it's either scalding or freezing cold. Yeah. And to get anything in between, you have to stand there and fiddle with it and fiddle with it and fiddle with it. And you just yeah. end up giving up and going, I don't know, I've got vaguely lukewarm, that'll do. Yeah. If it's going to be like that, if it's going to be Boolean or binary, on or off, then you might as well just have a button for like, do you want it scalding hot? <laughs> yes, yes or no. <laughs> scalding or freezing. <laughs> yeah. That's essentially all it is, even though it's got all this degrees of these degrees of movement. It is it is weird actually in a way that it's quite common over here to have two separate taps. And I think in other countries that's not so common. The mixer tap is more common. Yeah, I've heard we're, from like Americans they think that's yeah. that's dead weird. We're only getting mixer taps relatively recently because when you think about it, you know, you go to a it, quite often you go to someone's bathroom to wash your hands after you've been to the to the to the toilet and your options are hot tap or cold tap. And yeah. I, what I usually do is go for hot tap and hope that it takes long enough for the boiler to really kick in and send scalding water that I can wash my hands in warm water just, just before it gets just before it gets, but really what you're saying there is freezing cold or scalding are the two options. There's no way to mix a desirable temperature. Yeah but sometimes you don't need a you, you don't need the hot water you're just washing your hands with a bit of cold or maybe you're filling up some container for things what do people fill containers up for you mean like a a watering can or something yeah yes yeah yeah i was gonna mock you then but but actually you do normally fill up buckets and yeah things like that yeah fill up your washing can yeah but i think it's quite common to when you wash your hands or you know want to run a sink of water to wash your face with that you want warm water you don't want like, and then you have to like yeah, do that true. weird thing where you turn both taps on and kind of like try and juggle the amount of each one that you need, and then the hot suddenly starts to run hot. And yeah, we've got a mixer tap downstairs. This doesn't sort of make sense to get a warmish sort of water, like not scalding, not cold, just somewhere in between. You've got to turn on both individual taps. Right? Oh, so, so it's there's, got so two... There's two taps. Okay, yeah, but one spout. Yeah. So you turn if you turn them on both. I think each... that's I think that's the video I've seen online. Two taps, one spout. Yeah. <laughs> Don't admit to that. <laughs> so if you turn on both of these taps equally, it doesn't create a sort of nice, happy medium like I expect. So you have to sort of do one a bit more than the other. And then, oh no, that's gone too far the other way now. That's that's too hot. So you, you change the other one, make it a bit colder. Oh no, that's gone too far the other way. That's too cold now. So it doesn't give you the it right control. It doesn't give you the right control. And by the time you've actually increased each of these taps... The water's coming out now at such a rate that it's unusable. Because <laughs> you go, oh, just a bit more of that one. A bit more oh, no, of that too one. Much. A bit more of that bit one. Bit more of that one. Yeah. And so all the time you're doing that, it just the flow gets faster and faster. So that doesn't make sense. It, surely it needs a little thermostat on like, like showers do. Yeah, you'd think so. Because we've got a shower that has actual degrees written on it. I don't understand how they work, though. Because... I don't know. Maybe they don't. Maybe it's nonsense. No, well, ours, ours is... Our new one's thermostatic... And you turn it on and it just seems to have a really consistent way of maintaining the temperature without any yeah. electronics. And I don't understand how that Yeah, I don't know. How that happens, but somehow pure mechanics and is this able is great. to plumbing chat. Plumbing plumbing chat on the unusual <laughs> podcast. <laughs> Please don't make it a regular feature. No, no. Right, you've got something exciting to tell me about touchscreens. So I went into a Subway for a sandwich and a drink. And I don't know if this is familiar to people or not, but I'm going to explain it. They have these drink dispensers, you know, for Pepsi, 7-Up. What's the what's the orange you on Tango, isn't it? I was going to say Fanta, but that's Coca-Cola. Only carbonated, aren't they? How do you mean? 
you can have you can have Lipton iced tea, which is still. But anyway, they they have these new touchscreen systems now. Anyway, which look yep. like a tablet, and you put your cup underneath it, yeah, and then you touch the drink that you want, and then you press pour, and you get an animation on screen of fizzy liquid sort of bubbling around lovely and sort of coming out the machine and then it actually does fill up the cup but in this particular store i was just quite impressed with the lo-fi way that the the shop staff had stopped people from having drinks that had run out so like i think three out of the five drinks that were on offer would would run out of syrup the machine run out of syrup yeah but they just stuck stickers on the physical screen itself <laughs> over where those choices of drinks would be um so you i think you can only choose like diet pepsi or pepsi and pepsi max and all the others were out of order but the the hilarious thing about this was that obviously being a screen depending on context the options change so once you've selected a drink it then gives you a pour button or I think the ability to add extra syrups to your drink. And of course, by sticking the stickers on the screen itself, once you'd chosen Diet Pepsi, which is one of the options that is still available, you could hardly get to the pour button on the screen because the pour button was, um, I mean, pour as in pour the drink, not pour as in a animal pour. I know the, what you mean. Yeah, I'm just, yeah. Um, the, the It was kind of covered up by the labels. So just, but... It's just, it just seems weird that covering up part of the screen but was, also, was their best way of solu- solving this problem. Why why does the appliance not have a thing for that? So either it detects that it's run out of syrup and just greys out the option on the screen. Oh yeah, you'd think so. Or if it needs human intervention, then why not have it like an administrator mode where the shop staff can go in and just go, oh, run out, run out, run out, or whatever. Yeah, say. just remove those options and only, only show the options that they actually have. That'd be useful. Yeah, it's bizarre. Yeah, but actually putting something over the screen, I just think that's funny. It's kind of like putting Tipex on the screen to fix it. (laughs) That was the Unusual Podcast. If you've had any bad experiences with technology, then we'd love to hear from you. Uh, You can tweet us at the Unusual Podcast. Music is by Gold5472. That's it, isn't it? What, How do you know that it's gold 5472 and I not don't. gold 5472 or gold 5472? I don't. I sent them an email, but... Uh, gold 5472 it is then. Please subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. And uh, thank you very much. Bye. Thank you for listening. Bye.